look, there's really no other way for me to say it. You're missing out. If you're not playing this, you're missing out. It's the free contests on the NBC Sports Predictor app. They've already handed out over $3 million in cash prizes, and there are tens of thousands more up for grabs this and every week. So get in on the action right now with the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. For the biggest names in sports talk, watch the NBC Sports Channel every weekday on Peacock. Featuring pro football talk, the Dan Patrick Show, the Ritz Eisen Show, and more. Streaming live for free on PeacockTV.com slash NBC Sports. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast, the new season of the Peter King Podcast. And I'm coming to you right from the field at Lincoln Financial Field, 40 minutes before game time. The Atlanta Falcons opening the season against the Philadelphia Eagles at the link. So this podcast is going to be a quasi-live podcast encapsulating the first game of this season. I'll take you from the parking lot before the game on a torridly hot day. Is that a word, torridly? All the way through this game and into the locker room after the game. And afterwards, we're going to end the week one podcast with a conversation from training camp with new Minnesota quarterback, Kirk Cousins. So let me, before we start with this, let me just tell you a little bit about the scene right now. So the crowd, 40 minutes before the game, there's hardly an empty seat in the place. This crowd came very, very early and they wanted to be here to watch every bit of the warm-up of the Philadelphia Eagles. The defensive line is just coming out on the field in front of me. And there's Chris Long passing me right now. And so the Philadelphia Eagles look very ready to defend their championship. And the Atlanta Falcons came out about 10 minutes ago. They're also extremely excited about this game for a couple of reasons. I think the Falcons feel like they're getting the Eagles at the right time. We'll see if they are, but you know, the Eagles obviously without Carson Wentz, they've got to rely on that Nick Foles magic. So I'm gonna head upstairs, do one more conversation before we start, and then I'll be just like all the rest of you. I'll be watching from the press box at Lincoln Financial Field. We'll come back with the full story of the first game of the NFL's 99th season, live from Philadelphia. This was close to 1 o'clock Friday morning in Philadelphia, maybe 35 minutes after an ugly slog of a football game ended. Nick Foles, who refuses to come down to earth, hadn't even been in the shower yet. But I walked up to Foles' locker in the Philadelphia locker room as he dissected a strange, strange but rewarding evening with his locker mate, Nate Sudfeld. And he said to me, I know people don't want to hear this, but it's really hard to win in the NFL. This game's a perfect example of that. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's begin at the beginning in the parking lot at Lincoln Financial Field, where, on a blistering hot late afternoon, I find one of the super fans in a super bus. I've come because I want to know, 
Are Eagle fans spoiled now? Are they still going to be as hungry to win another Super Bowl after they've won one? So come with me to the bus. You may remember it from Silver Linings Playbook. And let's meet the man from Berwyn, Pennsylvania, who bought this bus and who now owns the most interesting school bus in Philly. I'm going to get to the game in a moment, but this was a pretty cool incident in the parking lot on a broiling hot day in Philadelphia. Back on the Peter King Podcast, I am in the most unlikely place in the history of my podcast. (laughs) I am on a school bus in the parking lot at Lincoln Financial Field about two hours before the Eagles and the Falcons open uh, the 2018 football season. But I'm on this bus because this was the bus in Silver Linings Playbook. And if you remember it, it's the bus that... Uh, was involved or closely involved in a brawl in yes. the parking lot. Dr. Patel. Yeah, yeah, at, at, at Lincoln Financial Field in that in that movie. But anyway, I'm with Bill Curley. Bill Curley is from Berwyn, Pennsylvania. Correct. He bought this bus from Silver Linings Playbook, and he bought this bus because he's a nutty Eagles fan. So, Bill, <laughs> I want to first want to describe the inside of this bus. They're Eagles curtains. This is an old school bus. There's two long green benches along the side, padded benches. And then it's a regular school bus in front, you know, with the windshield wipers and the, you know, the crappy little, uh, you know, uh, air vents in there. And then you go all the way down the side. It's just the same school bus that you rode on when you were a kid. There's two throne type chairs in the back that look very, very cool. And it's all designed in an eagle motif. So, Bill, I've got to ask you a question. Why in the world did you buy a school bus from Silver Linings Playbook? Because I identified with the characters. I identified with the fun that this creates, the smile it puts on people's faces. Everywhere I have driven this bus, at a stoplight, people are taking pictures. We just passed a policeman. He was investigating an accident. He's yelling, go birds, as I'm driving by. (laughs) Another school bus is coming the other way. He stops. The kids are giving me an Eagles chant on the way down. It just puts a smile on people's face. When you look outside, there have been hundreds of photos taken of this bus. It's priceless. I mean, it's... As an Eagles fan, I feel like I bought a Rembrandt. It, uh, it's, it's turned... Oh, it's turned into an incredible find. Bill, um... Tell me, if you can, what you did on Super Bowl Sunday last year. Well, last year I was lucky enough to have a friend of mine who uh, is very generous, and he called me up. He was a, a Patriots fan, and he said, do you want to go to the Super Bowl? And I said yes, because I didn't have Super Bowl tickets through the Eagles. I went to the first two Super Bowls, but didn't get tickets for this. So but you're 64 years old. You've been an Eagles fan 63. since 63. I'm about to be turned turn okay. 64. All right. Please don't. Yeah, but I'm going to turn that page this December. And uh, You first went to see the Eagles what year? Uh, in 1964. Okay, Franklin Field. Franklin Field, right. Joe Kuharik, Joe Must Go, Santa Claus. I saw it all. Saw and it all. Saw it all. And uh, so he called me and said, what would you pay for you know, a Super Bowl ticket? And I told him, and he said, uh, I don't want to sit there, but you pay that much, and I'll pick up the rest. Wow. So we flew to the Super Bowl, went to the Super Bowl, flew home, and then my wife and I, 
went to Costa Rica and we were surfing in Costa Rica and I thought maybe this bus is still for sale so I sent the owner an email and I said is the bus still for sale and he said yes it is and I said all right I'm gonna send a group up there to check it out which they checked it out and we were talking on the phone back and forth and we offered them it was on on sale for fourteen thousand five hundred dollars and we bought it for nine yeah and then we've added a lighting control system which we do as our in our business at integrations i have a whole team of guys that really help this night happen the lighting uh, is nice in here i like yeah. that i like the green lights all along the side yeah we have green and white for the eagles we have a lutron lighting control system we have a wall of fame with uh, nikki Foles catching the Philly special He's the, back hey, there. Wait a minute. Okay, Nick Falls is the inaugural member he is. of the Bill Curley Bus Hall of Fame? Correct. He okay. is. Okay, and he deserves to be in that he Bill does, Curley Bus Hall of yeah. Fame. Yeah. Uh, along with Dougie P. Yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely deserves it. Okay, so um, I want to ask you this. I'm very curious about this. So my whole life, my family, I'm from northern Connecticut, and my whole family was passionate about one thing, and that was the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. So for years and years and years, we were sort of frustrated by the Red Sox. They could never win a world championship. Finally, you know, my mother has died. My father has died. So many people in my family who love that team, they're gone. Yeah. And finally, in 2004, they win it. And it was such an emotional experience. I hate to say it. It was almost a religious experience. It was so huge. But then, you know what I found in the years after that? That I, I, I didn't anymore say, oh my God, I could die in peace if the Red Sox just won one world championship. It was a little bit different. And then they won another one. And then yeah. they won another one. So I'm not saying it isn't the same exactly, but it really isn't the same anymore. Because I almost feel like, oh man, let, let the Astros win or let somebody else win. But I want to ask you as an Eagles fan, Having won it, how does it affect your fandom going forward right now? Well, right now we're making plans to go to Atlanta in February 2019. So that's the way it affected us. We got a taste of it. This is just the taste of it. This has been <laughs> since 1960. We have been dying for one championship. But we have a quarterback, we have a coaching staff, we have an owner. They're all committed to putting together, and we won't end up with one championship. I don't believe that any longer. Yeah. I believe every year I'm going to drive this bus right. wherever it takes. Cross country. Are you going to drive this bus to Atlanta if they're Absolutely. in it? Absolutely. Are right. you kidding me? You have a seat <laughs> on it if you want it. I, you know what? I'll go. All right. I, I will go. It. I can would I love go? it. Yeah. Good. Well, yeah. you, you know what? And, and along the way, we can stop and we can have some programs along the way. We can meet Eagles fans in you know, in in Delmarva. We'll and fish, then we'll wherever. play golf, uh, you yeah. know, we'll do whatever. Yeah, yeah we'll that's have, fun. Yeah, we'll have a couple weeks. So, Bill, I got to ask you this. You know, today, let's let's describe what this day is like, okay? So today, it was 97 degrees. Yeah. It was humid. I'm looking at you. Yeah. You got your Eagles green T-shirt on, and it's two-thirds soaked through to the skin. <laughs> You've got a John Thompson white towel hanging around your neck. Yes. And that is wet. Yes. Okay, so this is... This is one of the hottest days probably that the Eagles, if, if it were a day game, it would have been one of the hottest days the Eagles ever would have played football. No it's doubt. It's lucky that it's a night game, and it looks like the weather might break a little bit. But what's this day of anticipation been like for you and your friends? 
Well, first of all, I have to really thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast and the team <laughs> that put together and did all the work here in the bus because yeah. they, I mean, today at 11 o'clock, they, we wrapped up the final pieces to make this happen today. So wow. there was a lot of people behind this. Uh, you know, it wasn't just me. And it's a culmination. It's a dream. Since February, we've owned this bus. We worked on it. We said we were going to do things. We postponed things like life goes on. We have to take care of other priorities. But here it is. We buckled down. We got it done. And uh, to have you show up, have Annie make this happen, uh, have some friends and family outside is just, it's priceless. It really is a blessing. And again, thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome. I, I uh, It's always so much fun to come here because I love, one of the reasons I love covering pro football, especially in places like this, is because of how much people care. Yeah. Isn't, isn't it incredible when you've been coming to these games and it's never died at all, even when you stunk, it, yeah. it didn't. It didn't die. Why is that? I don't. I, I can't really put it together. I think for a long time they were so awful, and Dick Vermeil showed up, and we had success. And then he kind of spoiled it because we were like, "Wow, we can win." For all my life, we never won anything. Then all of a sudden we won a little bit. Then we stunk, and we stunk really bad. Then Andy Reid showed up. And Andy did an incredible job, and I loved Andy, but his play calling drove me nuts to the point <laughs> to the point that I stopped coming to games. I didn't attend a game for three years. Oh my it, gosh, you didn't come to games for three years? Three years. I I, I boycotted after the Super Bowl. I'm the I think that the they lost three, to the Patriots. No, uh, yes, yeah, but it was the last three years of his career here, right? And he refused to run the ball and kept saying that a pass is the same as a run and. Uh, uh, my head was exploding. I, I just couldn't really handle it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, this is embarrassing. I'm not really managing my emotions very well. I should, uh, I should really retreat from the Eagles. So for three years, I put them on StubHub or gave them away. What'd you do on Sunday? Did you watch the game on TV? Oh yeah, I could okay. watch it by myself. Yeah, I couldn't watch it in company. Are you one of these crazy fans that you don't want to be around you during the game? I wouldn't say crazy. No, I would say that. Um, I'm affected by the, the, the way they play. And it's I, I want to listen to the game. I don't want to listen to other people talk. I don't want to listen. Right. I, I'm deeply involved in what happens. So sometimes my uh, reaction to certain things isn't necessarily uh, the most appropriate thing. Bill, what's the biggest misconception about Eagle fans? Uh, I would say that the biggest misconception is that they are vicious, that they're mean-spirited. Uh, I think, but there have been some incidents where they're in the upper deck of stadiums. Oh yes, that's true. And here, yeah, you know where you come in in a Giants jersey when you play the Giants. Yes, and it's an ugly scene. It that that is true, but it's usually fueled by alcohol. It's not the it's not the fan itself. I don't think. I think it's the circumstances around the fan. Yeah, and uh, I I truly believe that ninety nine percent of the population of Eagle fans are well-spirited. They can be a little harsh on people, and, right. if, and if, they're, if they're looking for a ya-ya Midwest reaction, they're not going to get that. Yeah. So the Minnesota fans, unfortunately, had a really tough experience. And for all Eagles fans, I apologize uh, to them. Yeah. But uh, that's the way it is in Philly. Bill, last thing, you got to get Bradley Cooper on this bus. 
Well, you know, you really should get Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence together on this bus. I'm all for the Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> uh, I did, uh, I did beat, I did meet uh, Jeffrey Lurie. I bumped into him, and he would. He told me when I told him I bought the bus, he was going to come to this, the the uh, tailgate and bring Bradley Cooper. But <laughs> I agree with you, Jennifer La- Lawrence would be. Uh, I take the one too. Bill, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Now, the one thing we got to do, we got to take a picture, me and you, on the outside of your bus. Yes. All right, good. Hey, have a great game tonight. Thank you. Thank you, and it's a pleasure being with you. So you really had to feel this day to believe it. It got a heat index of 101 degrees going during the day. And when the heat wave broke and the winds came later, you could feel the weather changing. So there I was walking into the stadium after leaving my new friends at the Silver Linings bus. And something was headed into southeastern Pennsylvania. Something threatening. And I went into the stadium, went up into the press box, and it started raining. Really raining. And with threatening storms all around the area, the NFL pushed an 8.20 p.m. start back to 9.05. Before we get into the game, one more short conversation just before the rains came with an old friend, Reuben Frank, a longtime Eagles beat writer. Frank lives the Philadelphia Eagles. Back on the Peter King Podcast, I'm really happy to be joined by my next guest right up here in the press box five minutes before Eagles-Falcons. Reuben Frank, Long-time scribe covering the Eagles. Now is just like me. He does a little bit of television to pay the bills. And I'm happy to be joined uh, by Ruben in the moments before this game. So, Rube, I will just ask this question and see where it leads. What expectations do you have after this wild, wacky, weird offseason and the last eight months which have been unprecedented in the history of Philadelphia sports? I I don't see any reason this can't be an elite team again. And I've really admired the way Doug Peterson has handled this offseason. It really started the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. We were back at the NovaCare Complex, Peter, and uh, it was literally less than 48 hours after the game ended. And Doug was already talking about moving on, turning the page, focusing. He was talking about OTAs and how he was going to go hard on them and it wasn't going to be an easy uh, preseason. And he had already turned the page. Now you still have the all the pageantry and the parade. That was even before the parade and the, and the, the ring ceremony, all that stuff, and book tours and TV appearances. Uh, and that's, that's part of life when you win a title. But uh, he, he really got it in their heads. Within 48 hours of that Super Bowl, uh, it, you have to move on. And our goal was never to win one of these things. It was to win multiple Super Bowls. And that should be our focus. And I think every team talks about complacency and avoiding it after winning a title. Um, we won't know until we get well into the season whether they've managed to do that. But I really like his approach from day one. It was, it's time to move on. It's time to look forward. We have to do the things that got us here again uh, because nothing's going to be handed to us. And 
it really got through. The message really got through when you see guys asking Doug to take down Super Bowl banners in the locker room. And when you hear that the players don't even want to be on the field uh, for the banner-raising ceremony, um, they really have kind of um, bought into his whole thing about focusing. Guys would come in to the locker room during the preseason like the national guys would all come through for their big day in the locker room and try asking guys about you know Malcolm Jenkins and, and Chris Long and everybody about winning the Super Bowl and they wouldn't even talk about it I mean in their minds they had moved on so whether it works we'll see but I, I really admire his approach last thing with Reuben Frank when is your gut feeling when did, what does your gut say when you'll see Carson Wentz yeah it's the, the problem is I can't I don't know how to read an MRI so all I can see is a guy who, from a football standpoint, looks ready. You know, we see him. We watched him do a 35, 40-minute workout before the Browns game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I know. I watched it, too. It was amazing. It was amazing. And, I mean, he did not look like a guy who was hurt. Now, I can't measure strength in a knee, so I, I can't. I, all I know is he, he looks ready. So, uh When's the strength going to be okay in his knee to be measured by a doctor? I mean, I would think week three or week four. I really don't think it's going to be longer than that. I think somewhere in that in that range. And I I, I would predict Indianapolis week three. Week three, nice soft pass rush. You know, <laughs> well when he's ready, he's ready. I don't think it's going to matter who they're playing. Uh, when he's ready, he'll be out there playing. But uh, I, I think that's a I think that's a good guess. Week three or week four, I'd probably say week three if I had to warrant a guess. But uh, the interesting thing is they're giving him reps. It's a really unusual situation. You have this guy who's technically not hurt because he's practicing. He's a full participant in practice. He's getting reps. So when he does play, he'll be ready. Ruben Frank, you now are going to be released so that you can eat your vegetarian sandwich, your asparagus, and that rather nice-looking uh, German chocolate brownie in front of you Does look just good, so it? that uh, you can do that before this game begins. Ruben, thank you so much. Anytime, Peter. Football makes its long-anticipated return to living rooms all across America this week. That means bragging rights and huge cash prizes are up for grabs at DraftKings.com, the leader in one-week fantasy sports. With one-week fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when to play. You draft a new team every week with no season-long commitments. At DraftKings, you are the GM. Just choose your players, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. No matter what your skill level, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. So if you've been thinking about trying one-week fantasy football, now is the time to play. Because nothing makes football Sunday more exciting than when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. To celebrate week one, DraftKings is hosting a free team pick'em promo this weekend. Download the app or go to DraftKings.com now and use code Peter King, all one word. All you have to do is pick at least half of the winning teams correctly, and you'll win a share of a million dollars. The code again, Peter King, only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Pick'em for details. That's DraftKings.com slash Pick'em. P-I-C-K-E-M for details. So now, if you stayed up to watch till nearly 12.30 Eastern Time Friday morning, 
You saw an eminently forgettable game, mostly. But the last 20 minutes sort of made up for that. This game felt like a fifth preseason game with each team out of sync for most of it. The flags, the utterly endless flags. 26 penalties for 236 yards. Just awful. But defense was king in this first game of the season. Atlanta quarterback Matt Ryan was sacked four times and hit another 12. Neither quarterback could get into a rhythm of any kind. And if I were Atlanta coach Dan Quinn, I'd be concerned that my mega high-priced offense looks so lousy all night. But I found myself also thinking this. Remember the first game last year? New England gave up 42 points to Kansas City on opening night. Weren't we all sending funeral flowers to Foxborough? So both teams have reason to think they've got to go back to the drawing board here, both Atlanta and Philadelphia. But remember, it's a big one of 16, but it's just one of 16. Look at each team now. The Falcons don't go on the road for a month. They've got three straight home games coming up. And Philly's got the Bucks and Colts, two teams that they ought to be able to beat in the next two weeks. So really, nothing was won or lost on this odd evening. But the play of the night to me was oh so fitting. You all remember that touchdown pass Nick Foles caught in the Super Bowl last year? Well, in the first 35 minutes of this game, the Eagles had one field goal. And they needed something, some spark, something, anything. So before third and five from the Atlanta 41 with 23 minutes left in the game, Foles looked at coach Doug Peterson and Peterson looked at Foles. And Foles told me this after the game. We were thinking the exact same thing. He pointed to the play I wanted on the play sheet. Philly, Philly. Now, seriously, this is the same play, only slightly reimagined, that Foles scored on in the Super Bowl right before halftime against New England. But this time, the thrower wouldn't be a tight end. It would be wideout Nelson Aguilar. And this time, Foles wouldn't stop and hide on the offensive line. No, Foles would simply hand it off and leak out of the backfield and hope Aguilar didn't get too nervous on the throw. And of course, it's a Doug Peterson call. It's a Philadelphia Eagle execution. So of course it was perfect. A 15-yard gain for the Eagles. Five plays later, they had their first touchdown of the season. So Atlanta came back to go up 12-10, and they might have gotten more. And I'll talk to Chris Long in a moment, but it was the defense, led by Long, a sack and a half, four quarterback hits on the night. It was that defense that really won this game for Philadelphia. On second down from the Atlanta 18, with six minutes left in the game, Long steamed in from Matt Ryan's right, circling around Matt's back and crushing him. The ball squirted loose, and the Falcons recovered, but the momentum was all Philly. The Eagles scored on a second Jay Ajayi touchdown with a little more than two minutes left. The Falcons had their last chance. Philadelphia led 18-10. You know, watching this game, I just kept thinking, there's no magic to a sledgehammer defense. It was just so punishing. There's pressure and more pressure. And more pressure after that. 
Now, Matt Ryan did move Atlanta down to the Eagles' five and had one last play. And just like in the Eagles-Falcons playoff meeting eight months ago last year, in the same end zone, Ryan had a final pass that could have tied or won the game eventually, a final pass to Julio Jones. Last year, it went through Jones' hands. This year, on the other side of the end zone, Jones caught it, but out of bounds. End of game. As Foles told me, deja vu. And as Nate Sudfeld, his locker mate, told me, hey, it's deja vu. These guys complete each other's sentences. Anyway, it was done. It was close. It was strange. And the locker room was subdued, almost placid. There were a few smiles, but a sense, too, that they've got to play far, far better than this to be really good. But there will be time to be really good. It's okay to escape against a good team and win the first game of the year. So, here's Chris Long with me post-game, but pre-shower. His face paint streaking down the side of his cheeks. Back in Philadelphia, I'm with Chris Long, the defensive end of the... uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he just said it's one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, damn. It sort of is. Yeah. yeah, I'm rounding up. So, Chris, um, you had a sack and a half. You hit the quarterback four times. You guys, as a group, hit the quarterback 15 times in this game. Okay. So, what do you attribute your success in buzzing around Matt Ryan all night to? Well, we rushed good as a group. Um, you know, not not every play we didn't rush well as a group. I mean, there were some scrambles and this, that, and the third. But that's going to be uh, that's going to happen when you rush aggressively. Um, and we rushed we rushed you know four across the board. Everybody went in their rushes, and, and that's what it takes. And the coverage was good. I mean, our coverage was uh, we, Ronald we, Darby was really good. Yeah, tonight. he was he was really good from what I could tell. And um, you know, our DBs are young in a lot of spots, and they got a lot better since last year, just in the last six months. And Jim called a really good game, and and uh, that gives us time to to get home. You're, what I thought was really interesting about this game is that it, you went long periods of time with this game being awful. Yeah. You know, and with so many penalties. You know, I think 25 called penalties. Yeah. But at the end, it was almost a replay of your playoff game against Atlanta last year. Did it feel like that on the field? It kind of did. I mean, just yeah. a lot hotter, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it felt like just yesterday we were out there playing them. So they're a hell of a football team. We knew they were going to give us everything and then some. And uh, it was going to take our our best game, which turned out not to be true. Uh, and we, we didn't play our best game. But, uh, you know, with that crowd, that was an equalizer for us. Our crowd was huge and really disrupted them on third down. Our, our pass rush was great, but the crowd had a lot to do with that and, and lifting us up in, in tough moments. The one play that you made that I think will be memorable to you because it'll be shown for a long time is when you came from behind Matt Ryan, sacked him, and forced the ball out. Alex Mack recovered it, but that could have been a real game changer. What happened on that? Well, you know, on that play, I'm supposed to run the horn, and, uh, you know, I don't have an inside move, and Fletch did such a great job. In other job. words, run the horn, come around. Yeah, I got to come around, and, and Fletch did a great job of, of power rushing, and, and, and Matt is going to be real cognizant of the fact to keep his drop target shallow, and um, as he kind of tries to climb the pocket, he can't do that with Fletch, so he runs into a wall there, and I, and I just don't give up on the play and come in and get the ball, I guess. The depth that you guys have on the defensive line yeah. is is has to be as good as anybody has in football. When you look around this locker room and see you, Michael Bennett, Haloti Nada, 
as kind of depth. Yeah. Or, you know, it's it's kind of stunning, isn't it? Yeah, it's stunning. And it also motivates us because, you know, we read things where we're like, you know, backups or, <laughs> or you know, depth is not a dirty word. But, uh, you know, when you take as much pride in your play as you do, uh, you know, you're like, well, we can play. We feel like we can play anywhere. And we just have a great group. So every time we step on the field, whether it's BG, myself, Bennett, uh, Derek, all us ends and the tackles too, we all are trying to prove something. Uh, and not competing with each other, but competing to be the best us. Chris, two other things. I, I find it really interesting at the beginning of this offseason, okay, you thought you had no idea that Michael Bennett was going to come here. Mm -hmm. And when he came here, if I'm you, I'm saying, man, what's going to happen to my playing time? Yeah. So what was it like for you this offseason, especially after Bennett came in? Did you think of not coming back? Did you think of maybe trying to go somewhere else? Well, of course I thought about, you know, retiring or um, whatnot because I, I know perception is what perception is. And I thought I made a lot of key plays for us last year like everybody did, and, and I had my hand on this thing. And um, I, I, I thought I was playing at a high level. So um, just for me, I wanted to come out and reprove myself. I know I always got to reprove myself at my age and, you know, maybe not being a star in this league at this point. So, uh, you know, I'm motivated by new additions. Me and Mike know each other. We really like each other. And, we, we you know, Mike said to me before this game, I'm excited to play with you. We we've admired each other our whole careers and now we get to play on the same team and that's fun too so there's a positive side of it and then there's a side where i can get my ass in gear because we got so many great players and, and i want to play yeah last thing what did this game tell you about your team tonight well it, it just reinforced what i already know which is we're tough and um and, and we can take a punch. I mean, we did that all last year, and we're going to need to do it all this year because uh, it's not going to get any easier. And uh, that's about as tough as a game as you can play to start the season. The blessing here is uh, we play Thursday night football, and it wasn't on a short week. Um, <laughs> it's the opener, and now we have a little mini buy. We get a couple days. Chris, uh, you know, one of the things about early season games is sometimes they feel like preseason games. Yeah. This felt like that for a while because there were some periods of ineptitude. Yeah. But what I think what it says about your team that you can survive in a game like this is that you've come back almost the same as you exited last season. Mm -hmm. You're a hungry team. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. Well, maybe it was just scripted this way, but, you know, the, we went 0-4 in the preseason. You know, the sky's falling. Uh, we've had injuries. We had injuries last year. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, already kind of counting us out. I don't want anybody listening to be like, are they going to do the underdog thing again? <laughs> no, we're not underdogs. We know that. But uh, but there have been doubts, and, and but not in this building. And that starts with Coach Peterson. Uh, you know, he just he doesn't breed doubt in, in, our, in our minds and in our hearts. So we went out there and, and played our best. Philadelphia 18, uh, Atlanta 12, first game of the NFL season. Chris Long, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. This was a compelling opener, if not a pretty one. The Philly depth showed up big, and it's still a marvel that the franchise quarterback, Carson Wentz, is missing. And Foles, he was benched by the Rams two years ago. Do you remember that? is now on a streak of wins over Atlanta in the divisional round, Minnesota in the NFC Championship game, New England in the Super Bowl, and Atlanta in the lid lifter for a new season with incredible expectations in South Philadelphia. It's amazing. But whatever happens, this is really going to be a fun year around Philadelphia. So before we move on, let me know if you like these Game Story podcasts. 
send me a comment here or send me an email at peterkingfmia at gmail.com to let me know. That's send the email to peterkingfmia at gmail.com. And thanks a lot for listening. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter King. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, and then they invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter King. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash P-E-T-E-R-K-I-N-G. No dots, no anything, just all one word, P-E-T-E-R-K-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter King. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now my conversation. I did this one at training camp with the Minnesota Vikings with new Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. Back on the Peter King Podcast, I'm joined by Kirk Cousins, the newly minted quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings as we prepare for the 2018 NFL season. And Kirk, I I think the most interesting thing as we are here at your shiny new facility in Egan, Minnesota, one of the most interesting things to me about this offseason is all the change that has happened throughout the league. Change is always constant throughout the league. But how big has this change been for you, and how have you adapted going from Washington to Minnesota? I think the adaptation has gone really well. I've been pleasantly surprised with how smoothly that transition has has happened. When the trade was made in February and I knew I'd be moving on, that was the challenge, was knowing that I have to start over, and in some ways I'll feel like a rookie again. But from March when we signed and all the way through OTAs in the summer into training camp, it's been a great process, and it's been helped by the coaches. It's been helped by the locker room being so receptive to my arrival, and um, I don't think it could have gone any better than it has so far. Kirk, you really gambled on yourself as much as any player I remember in recent history. With someone who really had to make decisions along the way, and all the decisions sort of put the pressure on your shoulders, turning down long-term contracts, and then wanting to get to the point where you could pick a team. Tell me what you learned from that process from the start until you signed with Minnesota. I think I learned the value of patience because risk, while there was some, betting on yourself, as people have called it, probably isn't as true because when you purchase an insurance policy and you and you do other things, you can mitigate some of your risk and you can feel pretty good going out there and just worrying about playing football. 
But what I did have to do was be patient. I had to wait another year to see what the future held. And I think that was the hardest part, especially because I'm a guy who likes to know what's coming next, likes to be prepared. And when you don't have the map laid out, you don't have the plan, it's a little bit harder. So that patience, while it was tough going through it, I look back and I realize was the best thing for me. And so that's probably the lesson I've taught myself is that delayed gratification and patience can be a really good thing. Isn't also it true that because you weren't the first, second, third pick in the draft, you were whatever, 101, whatever it was, that you never really had everything at the beginning. You sort of had to kind of gamble on yourself a lot over the course of that time. So how much a part of it was the fact that you know, you didn't have a lot to begin with when you entered the NFL. Yeah, I do think that because that was the nature of my story, going back to high school, trying to find a way to get a scholarship offer, and then trying to find a way to get on the field at Michigan State. As you know, Nick Foles and I were competing there for a spot at Michigan State, so I had a lot of competition. And then going into the NFL, trying to just make the team initially, let alone play or become a a top player in the league, Um, All that did teach me uh, that you have to earn everything you get. There's no entitlement. And in the long run, it served me well. On the way up, it wasn't the easiest path, but looking back, it served me well. I want to ask you one other thing about something you must have learned in Washington, and that is that, you know, do you learn along the way that there's more to football and to winning football than just getting paid putting a team together, everything like that. I always got the sense that not that you wanted to be loved, not in any way, I don't mean that, but that you wanted to go somewhere where you were sure that that franchise was doing everything possible to win. And when you found that in Minnesota, it was almost like bingo. Well, there's no doubt that I could be here a long time telling you how how much my family and I uh, appreciate being here in Minnesota, how grateful we are, how much we like this organization. I think there's a bit of a narrative that I chose to leave Washington when really Super Bowl week in February, I was fully prepared to go back to Washington. And I was thinking that the grass isn't always greener. And I haven't checked out the other teams, but I know I've had success in Washington. I know there's a lot of positives there. And at the end of the day, maybe it makes sense to just keep with what's been working. Uh, when they then made the trade, it forced my hand, and I had to move on. So I don't want you there to be really oh, in yeah. January. There was still a yeah, good chance well, you would stay. I mean, I'm a guy who likes to look at the facts and is very pragmatic. And so when you look at it that way, you say three straight years have stayed healthy, have had a good offensive line, a team that's well coached. Uh, we haven't won as many games as I would have liked, but I'm just as much to blame for that as anybody else. And uh, there's a lot of positives there. My wife loved living there. And, and so I can go on, too, about the positives there as well. I guess it made it easier for me. It wasn't as agonizing of a decision when they made the trade because a team that I thought was very much in the running no longer was in the running. So then I looked around and didn't know what was out there. It happened to be in Minneapolis when it happened, which afforded me the opportunity to look around here and as the month passed and got closer to mid-March, we were blown away at what Minnesota had to offer. How much, what do you remember about the moment you heard about Alex Smith being traded to Washington? Where were you? Yeah, I was what? right here in the Twin Cities. I was working out in the evening at the hotel I was staying in for Super Bowl week. And I just finished the workout, went over to my phone, and my lock screen showed a whole bunch of texts and social media posts and that kind of a thing related to that. So I started putting the dots together, realizing what had happened, then called my agent and from there just 
put it all together and realized what had happened. And uh, you just kind of shrugged your shoulders and said, okay, here we go. Because as you said at the start of this interview, the league changes so much. And the one thing you should never do is expect something to happen or, you know, expect certain behaviors or certain etiquette. You just realize that this league can go any which way and I've got to be able to react. Is it kind of incredible to you? And does I asked Matt Ryan this question in camp. I said, does it kind of seem like Monopoly money? That <laughs> I mean, you know, you're making such an insane of, amount of money. Yeah. And I, I wonder when you when you signed that contract, did you say, this is absurd? Well, you know, we, we talked about, when I signed the contract, we talked about a Bible verse that my family's always prayed all these years, going back to college, going back to being recruited for college, was Ephesians 3.20, which talks about how the Lord is able to do immeasurably and abundantly beyond all we could ask or imagine. And you read that and you say, okay, yeah, right. But then you actually live your life and you sign a contract with the numbers like this one and you just realize, wow, this is abundantly, exceedingly, increasingly above all I could have asked or imagined. So yes, it just blows your mind. You never really thought you'd be in this position. Never thought you'd be the person who you used to see on TV. And so I'm living a dream, thrilled about it. And frankly, um, as my agent has always said, Kirk, no matter what the number is, you can always give the money away and make a difference that way. So, uh, you know, do we need all that money? No. But can we put that money to use to make a difference? You better believe it. I'm curious now that you brought that up. Is there one or two, are there one or two things, you know, and I should uh, tell people that a year and a half ago, you and I went on this trip to to England and we went to several cities in England to sort of talk about NFL football and everything. And I remember we took a train trip from London to Liverpool. I was with you, with Julie, your wife, I believe her sister. Yeah. And what I thought about coming away from that is that this guy's going to have no trouble with life after football because you're interested in so many other things sure. other than football. You're a big reader, all, sure. all that stuff. But I wonder, you have to be thinking, this is going to give me the opportunity to help yes, X, absolutely. to do something different. Have you found anything yet sure. that you're doing outside of football with that largesse? Sure. Well, philanthropically, we, we do want to be very intentional as we go forward and be very wise, be good stewards of what we've been given. And so we're looking both regionally here in the state of Minnesota, in the Twin Cities. We found an organization called Urban Homeworks that does a really good job rehabilitating communities in the area that are run down and uh, giving kind families of a homes. Habitat type yeah, very fleet. similar. Yeah. So we've enjoyed partnering with them. And then additionally, on a global level, International Justice. Mission is a group that's uh, seeking to bring justice where there is is no justice. And in America, we can understand that. We know that there are you know there are consequences for your actions. But in many countries around the world, people get away with things, and everybody turns a blind eye. And so it's impossible for their their people to live freely and live wholly and live safely when there are no consequences for quote unquote illegal actions. And so we want to get behind International Justice Mission and what they're doing to bring justice to third world countries and help change entire societies for the better fantastic that's really really great um finishing up with kirk cousins so i've got two quick football questions one is when you go to a new team and all eyes are on you every day you've always been the quarterback and going back to michigan state i'm I'm assuming back to high school where all eyes are always on you but does it seem a little bit different you're going to a team that played in the NFC Championship game. You're right. going to a team that climbed that ladder last year, and it's almost like Super Bowl or bust. So I wonder, what 
is it like for you to go and maybe for the first time have the sort of kind of Super Bowl pressure sure. on you? Well, you know, it's a, it's a new experience from that standpoint of coming to a new NFL team. I've only played on one NFL team prior to this one, and uh, being in such an established locker room is a little new for me. But at the same time, so much is the same. And frankly, although nobody said, oh, it's Super Bowl or bust when I was playing in Washington, the fans pretty much feel that way when they buy a ticket and come to the games. I mean, they're not going to leave happy if you lose. Uh, so I think there's always been pressure regardless of expectations. I think there's always an expectation that we need to win. We need to win this game. And we've never really looked further than that. You look at each week as its own season, if you will. And that's really where our focus is. And we have so much football to play between now and the end of the season. But, uh, um, you know, we're excited about being a part of an organization that people on the outside have high expectations for finishing up with Kirk Cousins last thing I wonder you look at your story it's really a unique story in recent NFL history what do you think the moral of the Kirk Cousins story is since the day you got drafted well I think the day I was drafted it certainly looked like a dead end for me and yeah. I felt that way and my dad my family had to remind me that you know God has a plan for your life who knows what's going to happen we don't know if it means success on the football field but you got to believe and trust that he's going to lead and guide and so first of all on a spiritual level I would say it's really grown my faith and shown me that the Lord does have his hand on my life and he is ha he is carrying it out his plans but secondly I think uh, to just a football level it's taught me the beauty of, of patience of delayed gratification of just continuing to go to work every day chip away at that stone you never know the day that your continuous chipping away is going to break the stone in half and so you just keep working you keep stacking days on top of one another and good things will happen as George Perla said back in the days at Michigan State work hard keep your mouth shut and good things will happen to you and I think my career looking back would be a testimony to that Kirk Cousins have a great year and really continue to have a great adventure that's right in pro football because yes. that's what it you is. have not done it in a conventional <laughs> way but you've done it I have to say with a smile on your face, yeah. with a really, really positive attitude, and when you've had a chance, you've taken advantage of that chance. Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that, and as you know, this is an adventure, and you got to be up for the adventure, and thankfully my family is as well. And uh, Peter, thanks so much for coming out here. Always good to see you. I've enjoyed your coverage of this league for so long, and because of how long you've covered this league, you really do understand the ins and outs, and we appreciate that as players, so thank you. Kirk, thanks so much. Have a great year. All right, we'll see you. Thanks to my guests, Chris Long of the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in my podcast series, such as my conversations with Chris Mortensen, Roger Goodell, and John Elway. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the Peter King Podcast on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 82. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work, and thanks, of course, to my sponsors, DraftKings and ZipRecruiter. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you next week.